Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jess will be back on Monday. He had a parish mission going on. This is coming up right now for Palm Sunday. And then we have the week that changed the world. So it's going to be an interesting week for us all to prepare for the coming of the resurrection. I wanted to uh, tell you today's a special show. I pre-recorded a young lady named Chrissy. She wanted to become a nun. She went to college and had a large bill because she went to four years of college. And when she wanted to become a nun, the order said, well, you got to pay off all your debt. So I interviewed her, and you're going to hear it in the second segment. It's like I did one other young lady maybe a year ago, and she's in the convent, and I met her this past uh, month, and she's doing great. So I'm going to have her tell you her story, and I think it's beautiful, and it's a solid order of nuns that prepare that pray before the Blessed Sacrament for priests. So you won't want to miss that. And then our good friend, Father Kirby, everybody remembers his book, Glory Unto Glory, on spiritual theology. Good practical stuff about the spiritual life, which we all need to have. And that's why I recommend him and his book. That's why I recommend, you know, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, his book, The Catholic Mass. Um, we're going to have one more interview with him next month, May 13th, uh, because it's so important to understand our spirituality and, of course, the Mass. I uh, <clears throat> wanted to read the Gospel to you, and then I want to read a prayer that I read last week from Bishop Athanasius Schneider regarding Our Lady <clears throat> in Fatima. But before I do any of that, uh, let's get some soul food in. And if Jesse was here, he'd read the Gospel. So I'll read it today. And today's the reading from Gospel of John, all week long, John 10, verse 31 to 42. The Jews picked up rocks to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from my father. For which of these are you trying to stone me? The Jews answered him, We are not stoning you for good work, but for blasphemy. You, a man, are making yourself God. Yep, that's what he said yesterday. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? <clears throat> if it calls them gods to whom the word of God came, the scriptures cannot be set aside. Can you say that one whom the Father has consecrated and sent into the world blasphemous because... I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not perform my work, my Father's works, do not believe me. But if I perform them, even if you do not believe me, believe in the works, so that you may realize and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Then they tried again to arrest him, but he escaped from their power he went back across the Jordan to the place where John first baptized and there he remained many came to him and said John performed no sign but everything John said about this man was true and many there began to believe in him the gospel of the Lord praise to you Lord Jesus Christ I'm telling you, this Gospel of John is just so rich. I'm going to give you some commentary from the Navarre Bible, which Mother Angelica always loved, and I've been 
promoting the Navarre Bible for 30 years. Uh, here's the commentary I want to give you. The Jews realized that Jesus is saying that he is God, but they interpreted his words as blasphemy. He was called a blasphemer when he forgave the sins of the paralytic. That was in Matthew chapter 9. Remember that. And he will also be accused of blasphemy when he is condemned after a solemnly confessing his divinity <coughs> before the Sanhedrin. <coughs> Again, Matthew 26. Our Lord then did reveal that he was God, <coughs> but his hearers rejected this revelation of the mystery of the incarnate God, refusing to examine the proof Jesus offered them. Consequently, they accused him, a man of making himself God, faith based itself on reasonable evil evidence, miracles, and prophecies for believing that Jesus is really man and really God. Even though our limited minds cannot work out this can be so. Thus, our Lord, in order to affirm his divinity, once more uses two arguments which his adversaries cannot refute, the testimony of the scriptures. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this scripture with the Bible with the barbers after this show. I'll be handling the show myself. My wife is under the weather. I haven't been with her on this show for quite some time because I babysit my grandson. But she'll be babysitting and getting better. So you want to hear more commentary on that scripture, I'll definitely give that to you. All right, let's bring in the smartest guy into the room. Full Sheen ahead. That's Bishop Sheen. I want to share something with you. Father John Harden, great Jesuit, had put a book together called Catholic Wisdom. I think Ignatius still sells it. Yep. It's awesome. It's all the fathers of the church, great saints. Guess who Father Harden included? Bishop Fulton Sheen. And I love it because what he did is he, he took some material from Fulton Sheen regarding the virtue of hope. And it is an awesome, awesome comment that he gives on that topic. And he mentions this. He says, and this is so good. He, he says, it's not, so, it's not so much what happens in life that matters. It's rather how we react to it. You can always tell the character of a person by the size of the things that make him mad. Well, isn't that beautiful? Because modern man lives in a world which has reference to nothing but itself. It follows that when depressed, war, death, enter into his two-dimensional world, he trembles into the most helpless despair. Now, that is, that is so powerful and so true in our world today. And again, I just think it's awesome when he says that every moment comes to us pregnant with a divine purpose, time being so precious that God deals it out only second by second. Think about that. Once it leaves your hands and your power to do with, what it is, with it as you please, it plunges into eternity. What? That's right. Every moment. It remains forever what you made of it. And he gives this beautiful analogy. He says, 
Does not the scientist gain more control over nature by humbly sitting down before the facts of nature and being docile to its teachings? He says, in a like manner, surrender yourself to God and all is yours. I love it, Fulton Sheen. It is one of the paradoxes of creation that we gain control by submission. You will thus learn to appreciate the advantages of disadvantages. Wow, Bishop Sheen, I can go on, but I'm going to talk more on the Bible with the barbers because that is Bishop Sheen at its best. And I think Father Hardin nailed it when he put the faith, hope, and charity chapters in his book called Catholic Wisdom. I also want to pray a prayer. I prayed it last Friday with you. This is a prayer for the hastening of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Bishop Athanasius Snyder wrote it. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God, our tender mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of what? Materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our, and some of us being persecuted from within. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by an unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, by seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than of heaven. It's true. The horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, oh my gosh, especially through the practice of communion in the hand and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Mass. Wow. Bishop, Strick, uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder's prayer, just go on the internet, you can find it. It all, it's all about the um, promoting of the first five Saturdays, first Saturdays of the month to Our Lady. Now, when we come back, I'm going to have this young lady, and she's going to be talking, her name is Chrissy, about her own vocation and wanting to become a bride of Christ to spend the rest of her life praying for priests. You think we need that? I'm all for that. That's why I told her, yes, I'll put you on the air and I'll... Ask our listeners to support you financially and spiritually. We need more contemplative nuns to, to spread the faith. When I give a quote from Sheen in this interview about what these cloistered nuns are doing for the whole world, well, they're avoiding nuclear war, in my opinion, at this point, because of their prayers. And <clears throat> stay with us, because this is a powerful, powerful interview about a young lady who just wants to give her life to Christ and become a bride of Christ. It was very inspiring for, to me to interview her. And when we come back, we'll have that interview. You won't want to miss it here on the Terry and Jesse show. One good news story. The rain of miraculous medals are pouring down over the Ukraine. A good Catholic lady in France, what did she do? But thousands of medals to give to people in the Ukraine. God love her. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. On Virgin Most Powerful Radio, I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. You too. Our hope is in Jesus. Stay with us. This interview is amazing. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 526 2151. Now, 
here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. No, that young lady is not Jesse Romero. It's Christy. She's wanting to become a cloistered nun. And I asked her, come on on to Terry and Jesse's show. We'd love to hear your story and we'd love to support you with our prayers and also financially to help you be able to get into your dream of being a bride of Christ. Christy, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Thank you, Terry, for letting me just come and share my story with you. Well, first of all, and that's, the listeners. yeah, that's what I want to know. Our listeners want to know, you want to become a nun. Here's the situation. You, you need to raise some money to pay off some school debt, like we've done with other girls that have called in mm-hmm. on our show. And I'm happy to do that because your order is is very good. It's about praying for priests. It's, it's before the Blessed Sacrament, your prayer life. It's awesome. But, Christy, tell us a little bit about your own story of how— you came to want to desire to become a bride of Christ? Well, it started, um, I think my parents were just the gift of baptism Mm -hmm. because they brought me into the faith from the time I was just an infant. Mm -hmm. But we were, you know, a nominal Catholic family. We went to mass on Sundays. We were there for Christmas and Easter, but we really didn't have that strong faith life. Mm -hmm. And I'm a product of the 90s. So catechesis was less than stellar, to say the least. (laughs) Um, but it was really in college. I went to North Central College and I started having questions and I was teaching second grade religious ed at the time. I love it. And my kids were asking questions. And I'm like, I asked our director of religious ed, I'm like, how do I answer this? Because I, as a 20 year old, do not know how to answer these questions. Yeah. Um, I had at least five questions for, uh, our deacon, our director every week. And God bless him because he had answered every single one of those questions Um, for two years straight. Like I had so many questions. Wow. Um, So I finally had answers to questions to the faith. And I started to see the richness of the faith, the depth that's there, the majesty of our Lord, just in a way that I didn't grow up with. Yes. So it was just, I was on fire. I was like a little kid, just soaking up as much knowledge as I could. I probably was it. I may not have gone to daily mass, but I was at church every single day of the week Good with adult formation and um, Sunday mass just off our campus. And I was soaking it all in. So, so you want to become a religious, a cloistered nun. Let me just mentioned something from Fulton Sheen. He said, the cloistered men and women are doing more for our country than all its politicians, its labor leaders, its army, its navy put together. They are atoning for the sins of us all. They are adverting the just wrath of God, repairing the broken fences of those in sin and pray not and rebel and atone not. As 10 just men would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah, so 10 just saints can save a nation now. I'll tell you what, that quote from Fulton Sheen makes me want to support you as a cloistered nun. How can people support you to get out of that debt that you have from school so you can actually join the sisters? Yes, so with Reverend Mother and my formation mistress, we've partnered with the Labore Society. The Labore Society was founded in 2003 with one purpose and one purpose only. That's to help rescue vocations that otherwise would be lost due to student loan debt. So almost half of all vocations would be barred um, because of student loan debt. So we're working with the Library Society. I've been 
incredibly blessed just with the relationships with fellow aspirants um, and our library staff. I cannot sing their praises enough. Um, anytime I'm asking for prayers, I know they all have my back. Yeah. And I've just been reaffirmed constantly in my vocation. So how, can, working so how can people support you? What do they need to do? Go to the website and put your name? Yes. So you'll go to rescue vocations. That's all one word dot org backslash Chrissy. And you will come up with my webpage. You'll see my story. And there is a way to donate through my link. Awesome. Now, this order is relatively new. It was 1947 in the life of the church. That's a new order. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your founder of the order? Yes. So Father Gerald Fitzgerald was a Holy Cross priest. Mm -hmm. He was um, praying one day and just had this vision of a contemplative community with one goal in mind. And it was just their apostle. It was to pray for our priests and our sac and sacrifice for our priests as well. And so many priests that I've talked to have said since ordination, they feel that target on their back. Oh yeah. And so for father Gerald to find, to found this community in 1947 was just so far ahead of his time. Um, and he reading some of what he's written for the sisters, some of the conferences he had for them, mm -hmm. Now it's just this beautiful echo of my heart. Everything that I wanted, it's all being echoed back. Beautiful. And from our founder. So that's very touching. And again, for people to support you, Chrissy, go ahead and give it one more time. I we had it on the screen. Rescue vocations. Rescue vocations, all one word, yeah, dot org, okay. backslash Chrissy. Okay. And that way they can support you and get your school debt out and that uh, you can join the convent. Now Yes. See, um, the very fact that the priests need our prayer seems huge. And, you know, we talk about doing it here. We do it on Thursday nights. We have a one-night Thursday, Holy Thursday to pray for priests. But uh, the order that you're wanting to join is seven days a week praying for priests and sacrificing yes. for them. That's incredible. Yes. And that means getting up in the middle of the night and praying for priests as well during nocturnal adoration. Can, can you give us a little idea if we have a couple minutes of the schedule, what you, you know, outline it for us? Well, 530 in the morning, my sisters get up, they have breakfast, they get ready for the day. By 630, they're in chapel, already praying office of readings. Mm -hmm. Then they continue with Lod's prayer and mass, daytime prayer. Um, then they go about just whatever needs to be done in the monastery that day. Sure. So whether it's, you know, my vocation mistress is doing all the vocation work or, you know, sister is just working in the library. Sure. Um, they do that for a few hours, come back, everybody has dinner. Then we go to afternoon prayer, um, go back out again and do whatever work needs to be done. Come back for Vespers supper and then compline that's it and in the middle of the night three nights a week we wow. get nocturnal adoration so awesome and amidst all of that there's a holy hour for awesome. our priests in there too so awesome. that sounds great and again for those who want to support you uh in your order one more time with the website and how they can support you financially that's rescuevocations.org backslash chrissy Chrissy, thank you very much for coming on Virgin Most Powerful. We're here to support all Orthodox orders like yours. 
and the young women who want to become brides of Christ. May God richly bless you and your community. And persevere. We need your prayers. The church needs you. Folks, support rescuevocations.org. Chrissy, God love you. We'll be right back after a quick break. Actually, we got an extra minute before the break, but weren't you impressed with Chrissy? What a sincere little girl who wants to be a bride of Christ. I just... uh, I will always try to support vocations, whether it's religious to uh, nuns or priesthood, and um, send them to the right seminary, send them to the right convent, because you have to be so careful. Hey, when we come back, uh, this is a great priest. Uh, We had him on, oh, I don't know, maybe two months ago, Father Jeffrey Kirby, pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina. He's a moral theologian. He's young. He's on fire for the faith. And uh, he wrote a book, and the book that we're promoting is Glory Unto Glory. Now, we covered half of the book the last time we interviewed him. But I really believe, and this is just me, that we need to have good holy books. St. Alphonsus Liguori said about one holy book uh, can change the world. Well, we know that that's what the Bible did, It's a number of books together. So when we come back, we'll have him on. Also, I just wanted to remind you there's a fantastic article i'd love to reach i'd love to give people resources national catholic register the problem with the real presence there's another great bishop father bishop sampleton up in uh, portland oregon and he nails it he talks about the first and most important ten commandments is in the book of exodus i am your lord your god you shall have no other gods before me the commandments are arranged in that order he says now think about this we Catholics are amazed. Oh, I see the clock still going. Yeah, I got time. We claim that the Eucharist is really, truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. But as the bishop says, do we really believe that? If, if that's right, there are eternal consequences to that. And so he says the real problem of, about the real presence is it demands a decision. There's no middle ground. He's right. Right or wrong. The logic of our belief calls out for a response. Look and see for yourself. We believe that the Eucharist is God's saving love. It is God himself really present in all his majesty and glory and completely worthy of our worship. And the bishop challenges. I love bishops when they challenge us us not to wear a mask or something like that. I mean, come on. Challenge me to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. The bishop says to me and to you, what's your response to that claim? What's your decision? I invite you to take this moment right here now and say yes to his love. It's yours to claim. Use your freedom to abandon your resistance. Claim the love he has offering you. Claim him in the Holy Eucharist. Matter of fact, to show that this weekend or this Friday, go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Even if it's just 10 or 15 minutes, pray a rosary before the Blessed Sacrament. Take the time to engage in dialogue with our Eucharistic Lord in Holy Communion when you go to receive this weekend and spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. The Bishop Sampleton is challenging all Catholics. When you think about it, 75% of the Catholics aren't sure what they believe when it comes to the Holy Eucharist. Oh, marriage conference coming up on the 7th of May. They just told me to repeat that. If you're wanting to come here in Southern California, you can listen to it on the internet or watch it. It's coming up on the 7th Dr. Sandoval will be there. I'll be there, and my wife will be there. We're going to be using sources like Scripture, 
Catechism, and a book by Cardinal Robert Seurat, Couples Awaken Your Love. This is going to help you understand the beauty of marriage. Fulton Sheen's Three to Get Married book will be referenced, and I believe it's not only just a conference. We'll have rosary. We'll have time before the Blessed Sacrament to pray, mass, confession. So this is going to be a full day of recollection focusing on your and your wife or you and your husband. And this is important. To register, go to vmpr.org. Uh, repeat that, vmpr.org. And then you can register for that or call us at 877-526-2151. Don't forget, in June, we've got the men's conference coming up with Jesse Romero, Paul. Oh, my gosh, we've got... Um, all kinds of good people coming to that Bible study or that men's conference in June. It'll be up on our website. Check us out, vmpr.org. And like I said, when we come back, we'll have Father Jeffrey Kirby, pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina, to speak about his book. And boy, do I want you to get his book because it helps you fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. That's all we ask. Nothing more, nothing less. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back is right. We've got Father Kirby here. The Carolinas out on the East Coast. Father Kirby's written several books, folks, and I want every all of our listeners to get familiar with Father Jeffrey Kirby. Uh, he's the pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indiana. Land, South Carolina. He is a moral theologian. He's a professor of theology at Belmont Abbey College. He's a busy man. Father Kirby is sought after as a retreat leader, conference speaker. He's the author of several books. Uh, so just, I want you to know about his books. I love uh, last week, or last month when we had him on, to talk about his book called Glory Unto Glory. I was so impressed with this book because it was so practical in regards to uh, the, the spiritual life. And I want him to kind of give us a, uh, a story about on uh, chapter 5 of his book. I was very impressed with his chapter on the purgative way. Uh, he talked to a young woman who came up to his booth, and I would love him to share her question because it's a question for all of us. But right now we're, we're having some difficulty on it, so why don't I say a little prayer here? And we'll say a prayer uh, to Our Lady, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I mentioned that Bishop Athanasius Snyder had written this prayer. And the parts of the prayer we didn't get to, I'll just say, he says uh, in his prayer, in our own day, he says, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds. We need to pray for Holy Mother of the Church. This is why every Thursday we pray, like last night before the Blessed Sacrament, for priests, bishops, and the Holy Father. They need our prayers. The interview you just heard with that young lady, uh, Tessie, she, uh, Chrissy, she is going to spend the rest of her life praying almost 24-7, other than sleeping, for priests before the Blessed Sacrament. That's a powerful witness of her faith in the belief in the real presence of Christ and a belief to pray for priests and bishops and the Holy Father. This is a great mission. Father, I was just giving a little background about your book, and I thank you for sending me electronic. Actually, are you ready for this? I put it in a binder, and I put laminated. My secretary did this for me. 
because there's so many good things in this book that you wrote that I'm going to be referring to probably for the rest of my life. Now, that's wow. a compliment. Why? Because I can't, I'm, I love reading books, okay? This is just, I get so many good things out of what other people have to say about our faith, and your book is right there. But, Father, just to give a background to kind of bring everybody up if they didn't hear the interview we did a month or two ago with you, um, I gave an introduction about you, but why did you write this book uh, called Glory uh, Unto Glory? So I wanted to ask you, Glory Unto Glory, why you wrote this book. Yeah, so I re- began to just realize more and more in my priestly ministry that a lot of times the vast majority of Christian believers don't really understand the, the spiritual patrimony of the church. Yeah. In fact, Terry, we have people who now are leaving the Catholic Church and becoming Western Buddhists yeah. because they think that the church has nothing to contribute to their spiritual life. Oh. And large part is because we haven't been talking about it, exactly. because oftentimes we have to emphasize the doctrinal aspects because people just don't know basic catechism. But sometimes what happens is we never quite get to the spiritual tradition. And so I'm maybe taking the different angle of now let's try to emphasize our spiritual tradition and then use that as a way to hopefully eventually help people go deeper in our doctrinal beliefs so that ultimately they can understand who God is and see the face of God. So this really is a a small attempt to retrieve (laughs) some of our best resources. Absolutely. Well, chapter five, I just read last night and it touched me the story you have. And storytelling is how people remember everything. It's not so much what you how do you do it? So you have a great story about uh, meeting some woman coming up to you after at a Marian conference can you share that story? Because I think she represents a large segment of the church. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I believe if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, this is the woman who asked what she was doing wrong. That's right. Because she was trying to go in the spiritual life. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and this happens a lot. So if people don't have formation or understand aspects of the spiritual life, they start to get closer to God. And then all of a sudden, everything just stops. And they start to think, did I do something wrong? Is God angry at me? Uh, what What's happened? And, and oftentimes, if it's not understood, that can begin to even spiral into really large questions about the faith. Uh, does God care? Is he listening? Does prayer make any difference? Is there a God? So uh, these questions, of course, are, are very important, but that aspect has to be understood. What's happening in that part of the spiritual life? And that's what this person's question was. And, and you know, what am I doing wrong? Well, the, the answer is, nothing's being done wrong. Uh, That's actually a part of the spiritual life known as the purgative way. So when we first draw close to God or draw closer to God, he oftentimes will bless us with great consolation. We we get the warm fuzzies and we feel good and prayer is exciting. And we, we pray and we see the results of our prayer. And, and again, this, this, this feeling of God's presence becomes just, you know, very strong and, and, and very consoling. But then all of a sudden the lights go out and suddenly we don't feel God's presence and we pray and it feels like our prayer actually makes things worse and, and so on. That's purgative way. And, and the purgative way God allows because it purges us of our self-love. God will not allow us to get close to him simply because the getting is good. He will not allow our greed for his blessings to become the basis of our relationship with him. So a quote I love by Teresa of Avila she says, we worship the God of consolations, not the consolations of God. And that distinction, it's very important. So the purgative way is a way in which God purges us of that self-love, where eventually we love God 
because he is God, not because of what we receive from him, not the warm fuzzies. So the purgative way is very important in the spiritual life. I tell people, if you're feeling the purgative way, it means you're doing something right. Father, that relates to us all. Thank you so much. How can people get your book? Yeah, so from the publisher Angelico Press or from a local Catholic bookstore, and if needed, uh, from Amazon. Excellent. Now, Father, uh, there's so many good chapters. Uh, chapter 4, the one before, Chapter 4 talks on divine grace, and I love the Gospel of John. All week long this week for Mass, we've been reading from the Gospel of John, and you preface this right at the beginning of the chapter. Father, this is right from John 17, 24. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Can you, this is, I, I mean, we could talk an hour, hours on divine grace. I mean, the life of God in us. Can you just share a little bit about that chapter with us, please? Yes, yes. So this is a part of John's gospel known as the farewell addresses. And that particularly is known as the high priestly prayer. So this is the Lord Jesus praying to God the Father. Now that's important because we see the Lord at prayer all the time. He prays through the night. He prays in the morning. We see him constantly in prayer and communion with the Father. But we don't have a whole lot in terms of a glimpse of what that prayer looked like. But here in the high priestly prayer and these farewell addresses, we get that glimpse, that singular glimpse. What's also interesting is John in his gospel does not give us an account of the Lord's prayer. And if you look at the high priestly prayer that you just quoted from yes. and the Lord's prayer, you see a consistent pattern, you know, an almost uh, internal outline between the Lord's prayer. And here we see our Lord himself at prayer. And what is he praying about? He's praying for us. He's praying that we remain close to him. He's praying that we will dwell within him. We see that here in our Lord's prayer, he's praying for us. He's interceding for us uh, in this farewell address as well. And in, in later portions the Lord will refer to us as the Father's gift that the Father has given us, each of us, the human family, as a gift to God the Son. So I think these high, that high priestly prayer is very important. I think that the heart of our Lord, as it's constantly turning towards us and that desire for union, that we be with him, that he be within us, that we allow him to dwell within us, is essential to the spiritual life. It's the heart of the spiritual life. A big amen to that. You know, Father, one of the things I love about your book is it really is an introduction to the person of Christ and how do we have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And in this time that we're living in with scandal, not only in the church, outside the church, it seems to me that we need to be focusing on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because last time I looked, Father, that's who we worship. We don't worship the priest, the bishop, or the pope even. But our relationship with Jesus Christ needs to be strong, especially in these times of confusion. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. In fact, the spirit, you know, spiritual wisdom tells us <laughs> as the world spins, mm -hmm. the cross stands firm. <laughs> so, you know, if we, if we want stability, it only comes from the cross. So yeah. we keep looking to the fallen world or to the state of affairs of the world or even to the church. And we want to, the, the church to give us something that only God himself can give. Now, he wants to mediate that through the church, of sure, course. Sure. But the church herself is, is, is a servant, you know, that, that on behalf of God. So I think that. In the midst of the, the corruption, the, the deception, the, the scandal, the, yes. the uncertainty, right? If we're not careful, it's going to lead us to disbelief or it's going to lead us into bitterness. 
But the response is, no, you draw closer to the Lord Jesus, to that beautiful sacred heart that calls us to himself. We deepen in the spiritual life. And Terry, that's how we reformed the church. Absolutely. Father, that's why I asked that question. I didn't know how you were going to answer that, but I, I want to put that on YouTube. That answer is the answer for Holy Mother, the church, to renew the church. You just nailed it. Because so many times we're wanting to complain, reject this, reject that. And what it really comes down to is the universal call to holiness that we have. When we're holy, the church will be holy. And I think yeah. that that's how we handle these scandals. Father, when we get back, when we come back from the, the break, there's a chapter in your book on our redemption in Jesus Christ. And that's also a, a very, very powerful chapter. And you have a story, and I'll refresh your memory, an older, um, a, a, well, basically it's a man, his older brother had died as he grieved his brother's loss, the man was reminded of his older brother's care for him. This is a powerful story that I think will communicate to most of our listeners. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Brother Kirby's here talking about his great book, Glory Unto Glory. And when we come back, you won't want to miss this story because it relates to you and to me on deepening our love for Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Father Kirby, I, I feel like I know you from reading your book. Uh, people say that about books because you get your, your uh, touch. It's got like a little, and it's a very personal touch about... Uh, sharing your love for Jesus. And um, that chapter I just mentioned, chapter three, our redemption in Jesus Christ. At the beginning, it says an older brother's love. Can you share that story with us, please? Yes, a powerful story. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, that was shared with me. So uh, basically, a, a man was recounting uh, his, his the witness of his older brother. Mm -hmm. uh, he, as, as a younger brother, he, he struggled with this whole teachings about uh, Jesus and taking on um, sufferings of others and you know why, why would Jesus do this how could this happen but he was reminded of his older brother that uh, they lived in a, a very uh, abusive family and and the father oftentimes would come home um, oftentimes late from you know bars and various things be intoxicated and, and would begin to, to beat the children his older brother when he heard the father coming would wake up all of his younger siblings and have them run out into the backyard and the older brother would take the beatings oh so that the younger brothers, younger siblings would not have to. And this gentleman shared this story with me. He said, because once he started realizing and understanding that witness, that love of his older brother, he began to understand what the Lord Jesus took from, you know, the beatings of sin, that, that sin had come and, 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 and that's the Lord Jesus served as his older brother for us, mm -hmm. that he did similar. And so there's the idea that someone would do such an act of kindness, someone could love that deeply, yes. uh, that very much. It was the witness of the older brother that allowed this younger brother to accept the Lord Jesus. And I, and I was very moved by that. I remember walking out of the, the room and, uh, of the conversation and, and just being moved to tears because it, it, it's very deep. It's, it's personal. It, it breaks the heart but definitely helps us to understand the real act of passionate love that the Lord Jesus had for us. That as the older brother, he was willing to, to take those beatings from sin, uh, the consequences of sin in order for us as younger siblings 
to be redeemed, to, to once again be restored to the house of our Father. I think that is a powerful story because so much dysfunctional families are here today, and I get that a lot where people didn't have a good father figure, and how do you introduce them to our Heavenly Father? So I think your story is well done. Father, I this book was a good read for Lent, but I'm going to also recommend people to read this any time you know, in the year because it's all about your relationship. If someone wants to get close to Jesus, this is the book to read. But specifically, next week is the week that changes the world, Holy Week. And um, I just want to, I, I know you're going to be preaching the Tritium coming up, all these great, you know, it's a great celebration. What advice would you give to our listeners in preparation for Holy Week? Yes, I think that the best thing that a, a Christian believer can do for Holy Week is as best as they're able to, to slow things down. You know, don't, don't take on a lot of other commitments. Uh, if there are sporting events, um, don't go. Turn, on, turn the TV off. Uh, if there's, you know, oh, a favorite show, it, it's not worth it. Um, to just, you know, allow a certain sense of peace to fill Holy Week and the Sacred Triduum. Uh, take on additional spiritual commitments. So whether it's, it's fasting, whether it's taking on spiritual reading, whether it's praying more, whether it's just going for a walk in the evening with your family, right? you know, maybe make it a walking rosary. Uh, but to really just allow our secular world to, to be pushed back and instead, as a believer, to really understand what this week that's forthcoming, this Holy Week, is all about. Because you know, I'll tell you, Terry, being a believer today in, in, in a secular world, yeah. and, and, and it grieves my heart to say we do now live in a secular world. Oh, yeah. Secular tells us you can live a perfectly good life without God. That's a lie. That's right. We were made by God and for God. We cannot live an abundant life, satisfying life without God. But secularism tells us this. Being a, a Christian today in a secular world is like, trying to walk into a, a, an arena, a stadium, after a major sport event, and everyone's coming out, right? All, and, and you're trying to get in, right? right? That's what it's like to be a believer in a secular age. Mm -hmm. Everything's against us. All the pressure is against us. The institutions of our society are against us. It is difficult to hold to the obedience of faith in the midst of a secular age. And that comes to our holy days. Look, look what our secular world has done to our holy days. They have stolen Christmas. It's now about Santa, not Jesus. They stole an Easter. It's about an Easter bunny rather than the resurrection of Christ. They stole in Lent. It's all about self-improvement rather than a real dying to self. They turned St. Patrick into a leprechaun, St. Valentine into a flying Cupid. Secularism has come into the treasury of Mother Church and stolen some of our best and most powerfully enriched uh, resources uh, as a church. And, and so now we look and say, well, you know, in the midst of the secular age, what are we going to do about it? Well, we can just sit down and open the doors and say, sure, come on in. Come on in. Rob, rob the treasures of the church. Turn them into whatever you want. Sure. And we can allow ourselves to be distracted. We can become almost accomplices to the secularism around us. Or we can say, no, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? To, to yep. take the stand and say, no, we know what this coming week is about. We know what the sacred trinity is about. We are not going to allow the sacred feast of our Lord's passion, death, and resurrection to be usurped by an Easter bunny or by anything or anyone else. Wow, big amen to that. Father Kirby, author of Glory Unto Glory. Father, one more time, where can they get that book from? The publisher, Angelico Press, 
also from a local Catholic bookstore mm-hmm. as needed uh, from Amazon. Yeah. Father, just to tie up the last couple minutes, first I want to remind everybody I'm going to be on for another hour with the Bible with the Barbers, and our focus will be Dr. Scott Hahn's salvation history. We're going to give a summary of that and also make it available to our listeners, his whole course on salvation history, which from 30 years ago when I first heard it, it just changed my whole view on the Bible. With the, so that's what we're going to do with the Bible with the Barbers. So for those of you who aren't on radio stations that pick that up, Go to vmpr.org, download the app, and you can listen to it on our website or with a phone app that we have. Father, final thoughts. I want to plug your other books just because I know this is the book I want people to get that we've been talking about, you know, glory unto glory. But the other books you've written, what are the topics? Yeah, so there's also a a fairly new book out right now called Sanctify Them in Truth, Mm -hmm. and that's on, on pressing social issues right now. How do we address them, understand them as Catholics? Sure. So immigration, abortion as a preeminent issue, mm-hmm. the LGBTQ plus movement, uh, gender equality, all these things we just bombarded, bombarded by in our secular world. And, and oftentimes believers are like, I don't even know where to start. How do I answer? So Sanctify Them in Truth addresses the hardest questions. It gives all the catechesis. And at the end of each chapter, it gives bullet points, awesome. key points, uh, some spiritual resources and so on. So sanctify them in truth. Uh, that's from uh, Tam books. And then um, also uh, there's a recent book out as well from our Sunday visitor called understanding the Bible. And uh, Terry, this was a labor of love. Uh, it, it goes through all 73 books wow. of the Bible. Wow. It's about a page or two, just bullet points. This is what this book is about. Awesome. These are the main uh, moral lessons or, or, or lessons given to us in terms of how we live as the children of God. So understanding the Bible, um, that that's, again, that's, that's a, it was a labor of love. It was, it was hard to go through to, to get that done, but I really wanted to do that because the Bible is God's love letter to us. He, right. he wants to teach us as his children. So those are two other books right now that have recently been released and are kind of making the rounds. Awesome. And again, uh, Father, these uh, books that are affecting people, I'm a big promoter. I'm reading the book now, The Catholic Mass, uh, by Bishop Athanasius Snyder from Sophia Press. And uh, it takes 60 years of amnesia that we forgot about what we taught about the Mass. And it's so moving for me. So I say this to all of our listeners. We need to turn the TV off, pick up a good Catholic book or the Bible or your catechism, because it's a lifetime occupation. It really is. That what do you think is going to happen at your exit interview when you're watching reruns of I Love Lucy? Do you think that's going to benefit you more than a good holy Catholic book? Obviously not. And so I just make it's a decision. I, uh, I was promoting Father John Harden's book on uh, the Holy Eucharist. Uh, it's called On the Real Presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And he made that point at the beginning. That you have to uh, study your faith. Because if you don't study your faith, you will lose your faith. Is that a fair statement, Father? Absolutely. I mean, all of the spiritual masters, all of them, emphasize the utter importance of spiritual reading. Teresa of Avila in particular said that, you know, her own life was radically changed by the reading of one holy book. Yep. So, And there was a time when she was in the severe severity mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, the absence of God in, in, in the highest forms of the purgative way. And for 10 years, she told us her her prayer was very dry, and she found spiritual consolation and encouragement through holy reading, spiritual reading. 
So very much important to Christian discipleship. And another saint, St. Ignatius of Loyola at um, Manresa, when he was recovering from an injury from a, a battle, he ended up picking up a book on the lives of the saints. And he said, whoa, I'm inspired by this. See, so this is why I believe that even in the time that we're living in, which seems to be a time of confusion, uh, ambiguity, that we don't need to have any ambiguity. We have the Catholic Catechism in my hand here. We have our Bible. We have a magisterial teachings of the Church. Always check. I don't care if it's Father Kirby or Bishop Athanasius Snyder. Look at your catechism and say, is this is what the Church has always taught? Then you know for sure that it is the truth. And I want to thank Father for writing these books. I hope you continue to write more books, Father, because you're reaching many souls that way that you might not ever meet. So I appreciate you doing that. One last time, the book uh, Glory Unto Glory can be bought at the, uh, what's the the uh, publisher's address, or how do they get that again? Yep, so through Angelico Press. Angelico Press. So, uh, and then, of course, through, okay. I, I want to encourage people to support their local Catholic Oh, we need it. Yeah. And then, of course, through Amazon. So Glory Unto Glory, a primer on ascetical theology. And again, that's that's just my heart as a fellow believer, as a yeah. pastor, trying to highlight the beautiful spiritual patrimony we have as oh, Christian yeah. and, and boy, Father, we need that. Could we get your blessing before you leave? Yes, I'd be happy to. Let us Thank pray. You. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you. May he grant you his peace. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father Kirby. If you were Jesse, I'd say, Jesse, what state should we be living in? And Jess Romero would say, the state of grace. Not Arizona, California, South Carolina. No, no. It's the state of grace. And how do we do that? Stay close to the sacraments, especially confession. If you haven't been to confession in the last month, I'm going to encourage you to go. Also, what did Our Lady of Fatima say? She said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. This is Friday during Lent. Let's make a big sacrifice for the salvation of souls. And you can do that because you can participate in helping souls get to heaven by your sacrifices. Don't forget to pray that rosary. If you're not praying the rosary, you're off the team. Come on, every day, pray that rosary. Stay close to Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. And listen, next week, it's going to be the week that changed the world. Take Father's advice. Shut things off. I don't even say, shut us off. I don't mind. You know why? If you're studying your faith, I'll say thank you, Jesus. All right? Thanks again for joining us, Father Kirby. May God richly bless you and your ministry and your parish. Up next, the Bible with the barbers. Stay with us, family.